Okay, so this time we were going to talk about this case. It's for alternative dispute resolution. It's entitled GR number. Uh, it's RCBC Capital Corporation, GR number one nine six one seven one December ten two thousand eleven. Okay, this is uh, versus RCBC Capital Corporation versus Banco de Oro Union Bank respondent. Okay, so before the court are two consolidated petitions separately filed by the parties in an arbitration case administered by the International Chamber of Commerce International Court of Arbitration or the ICCICA pursuant to the arbitration clause in their contract. So here, we see that it is made of two cases. It is filed by parties in the arbitration case. It is administered by the International Chamber of Commerce. Okay, that's, interna- that's ICC, Inter- International Chamber of Commerce. Uh, International Court of Arbitration pursuant to arbitration clause in their contract. So in GR number 196171, a petition for review under Rule 45 of the 1997 Rules of Civil Procedures as amended RCBC Capital Corporation seeks to reverse the CA decision dated December 23, 2010 in GR number SP113. 525, which reversed and set aside the June 24, 2009 order of the Regional Trial Court of Makati, Branch 148, SP, uh, Rock Case Number M6046, GR Number 199238. This is a petition of certiorari under Rule 65. Banco de Oro Union Bank assails the resolution dated September 13, 2011. In CAGR number SP120888, which denied BDO's application for insurance of a stay order or a temporary restraining order, preliminary injunction against the uh, against the implementation of the writ of execution, dated August 22, 2011, issued by the Makati City RTC Branch 148, SP Proc Case Number M6046. So, what are the factual incidents? Antecedents. On May 24, 2000, RCBC entered into a share purchase agreement, or this is what you call an SPA. Adelina is a special power of attorney, ha? It, is, uh, it is share purchase agreement with Equitable PCA Bank Incorporated or the IPCIB George Elgo and the individual share, shareholders of Bankard Incorporated for the sale to RCBC of 226,460. No, sorry, it's 226,460,000. Uh, thousand shares no, of Bankard constituting 67% of the latter's capital stock. After completing payment of the contract price of 1,786,764,400 pesos, the corresponding needs of sale over the subject shares were executed in January 2001. The dispute between the parties arose sometime, sometimes, uh, sometime in May 2003 when RCBC informed IPCIB so, concerning IPCIB, it's Equitable PCI Bank Incorporated and other selling shareholders an overpayment of the subject shares, claiming there was an overstatement of valuation of accounts amounting to 478 million and that the sellers violated their warranty under Section 5 of the SPA. As no settlement was reached, RCBC commenced arbitration proceedings with the ICCICAA in accordance with Section 10 of the SPA, which states, no, uh, Section 10, Arbitration. Should there be any dispute arising from any parties relating to this agreement, including the interpretation or performance hereof, which cannot be resolved by agreement of the parties within 15 days after written notice of a party to another, 
Uh, such matters shall then be finally settled by arbitration under the rules of conciliation and arbitration that the International Chamber of Commerce enforced at the time of arbitration by three arbitrators appointed in accordance with such rules. The venue of arbitration shall be in Makati City, Philippines, and the arbitration proceedings shall be conducted in English language. Substantive aspects of the dispute shall be settled by uh, applying the laws of the Philippines. The decision of the arbitrator shall be final and binding upon the parties here to and expenses of arbitration including without limitation the award of attorney's fees to the prevailing party shall be paid as the arbitrator shall determine. In its, in its request for arbitration dated May 12, 2004, claimant RCBC charged Bankart with debating from and contravening generally accepted accounting principles and practices due to which the financial statements a bankard prior to the stock purchase were far from fair and accurate and resulted in the overpayment of 566, uh, 556 million. For this violation of the seller's representation and warranties under the SPA, RCBC sought its recession as well as payment of actual damages in the amount of 573,100 I mean, 573,132,110. Illegal interest on the purchase price until actual restitution of moral damages and litigation of the attorney's fees with alternative prayer for award of damages in the amount of at least 809,796,082 plus legal interest. In their answer, IPCIB Go and other selling individual shareholders denied RCBC's allegation contending that RCBC's claim is one of overpayment or price reduction under Section 5 of the SPA which is already time-barred and the remedy of recession is unavailable. And even assuming that the recession is permitted by the SPA, RCBC failed to file its claim within reasonable time. They further asserted that RCBC is not entitled to its alternative prayer for damages, being guilty of latches and falling out of the details of the breach as required under Section 7 of the SPA. A counterclaim for litigation expenses and costs for arbitration in the amount of 300 US three hundred thousand US dollars, as well as moral exemplary damages, was likewise raised by the respondents. RCBC submitted a reply to the aforesaid answer. Subsequently, the arbitration tribunal was constituted, and Mr. Neil Kaplan was nominated by RCBC. Justice Santiago M. Capunan, a retired member of the court, was also nominated by the respondents, and Sir Ian Barker was appointed by ICCICA as chairman. On August 13, 2004, the ICC-ICA informed parties that they are required to pay $350,000 US dollars as advance on the cost pursuant to Article 30 of the ICC Rules of Arbitration. RCBC paid its share of $107,000 in the balance remaining after deducting payments of $2,565,000 it made earlier. Respondent's share of the advance cost was thus fixed at $177,000. $175,000. Respondents filed an application for separate advances in cost, dated September 17, 2004, under Article 30 of the ICC rules, praying that the ICC fix separate advances on the cost of the parties' respective claims, and instead of direct them to share equally on advance the cost of claimants' RCDC claim. The respondents deemed this advanced cost allocation to be proper, pointing out that the amount of the RCBC's claim is substantially higher, more than 40 times the total amount of the counterclaims, and it would be unfair to require them to share in the cost of arbitrating that is essentially a price issue that is now time-barred under the SPA. On, on September 20, 20 2004, the ICC-ICAA 
informed respondents that their application for separate advances in costs was premature pending the execution of the terms of reference. The TOR was settled by the parties and signed by the chairman and members of the arbitral tribunal by October 11, 2004. On December 3, 2004, the ICCICAA denied the application for separate advances and costs and initiated anew the respondents to pay its share in the advance on costs. However, despite reminders from the ICCICIA, uh, the respondents refused to pay their share in the advance costs fixed by the ICCICIA. On December 16, 2004, the ICCICIA informed the parties that if respondents still fail, fail to pay its share in the advance costs, it would apply Article 30 of the ICC rules and request for the arbitration tribunal to suspend its work and to set a new time limit and it would and if such requested deposit remains unpaid at the expiry thereof the counterclaims would be considered withdrawn in the letter in the fax letter dated january 5 2005 the icc icaa invited rcbc to pay the said amount in substitution of the respondents it also granted an extension until January 17, 2005, within which to pay the balance of advance cost of $175,000. RCBC replied that it was not willing to shoulder the share of the respondents in advance of the cost, but nevertheless requested for clarification as to the effect of such refusal to substitute from the respondent share. On March 10, 2005, the ICCICIA instructed the arbitration tribunal to suspend its work and granted the parties a final time limit of 15 days to pay the balance of the advance advance thereon. Fall failing with such claims shall be considered withdrawn without prejudice to their reintroduction to a later date in another proceeding. The parties were, advi were advised that any of them objects to the measure, it, will, it should make a request in writing within such period for the same reason of non-receipt of the balance of the advance cost. The ICC-ICIA issued procedural order number three for the adjournment of the substantive hearings and granting the respondents two-month extension within which to submit their brief of evidence and witnesses. RCBC objected to the cancellation of hearings, pointed out that the respondents have been given the ample time and opportunity to submit their brief of evidence and prepare for the hearings and that their request for postponement, postponement reserves no other purpose but to delay the proceedings. It alleged that respondents' unjustified refusal to pay their share in the advance or cost warrants a ruling that they have lost standing to participate in the proceeding. It thus prayed that the respondents be declared in default, the substantive hearings be conducted originally scheduled, and RCBC be allowed to submit rebuttal evidence and additional witness statements. On December 15, 2005, the ICCICIA notified the parties of their decision to increase the advances and costs from $350,000 to $450,000 subject to later adjustments and again invited the respondents to pay the $100,000 increment within 30 days from the notice. Respondents, however, refused to pay the increment, insisting that RCBC should bear the cost of prosecuting its own claim and that compelling the respondents to find such prosecution is inequitable. Respondents reiterated that it is willing to pay the advance on costs for their counterclaim. On December 27, 2005, ICCICA advised that it was not possible to fix separate advances on costs as explained in its December 3, 2004 letter and again invited the respondents to pay their share in advance on costs. Respondents' response contained in the, le uh, the letter dated January 6, 2006 was still the same. It was willing to pay only the separate advance on costs of their counterclaim. In view of the respondents' continuing refusal to pay its equal share in advance on cost and increment, 
RCBC wrote the ICCICA stating that the latter should compel Okay, so here, uh, respondents reiterated that it was willing to pay the advance on costs for their counterclaim. Uh, on December 27, 2005, the ICCICA advised that it was not possible to fix separate advances on costs. As explained in this December 3, 2004 letter, again, then again invited respondents to pay their share in advance on costs. The respondents, res, uh, the respondents' response contained the letter December 6, 2006 was still the same. It was willing to pay only the different advance on costs of their counterclaim. In view of respondents' continuing refusal to pay its equal share in advance on costs and increment, RCBC wrote, uh, wrote the ICCICA stating that the latter should compel the respondents to pay or as otherwise RCBC will be prejudiced and in action of the ICCICAA, the arbitration tribunal will detract from the effectiveness of the arbitration as a means of settling disputes. In accordance with Article 30 of the ICC rules, RCBC reiterated its request to declare the respondents in default without any personality to participate in their proceedings, not only with respect to their counterclaims, but also the claim of RCBC. Chairman Ian Barker in a, later, in a letter dated January 25, 2006 stated in part, The tribunal has no power under the ICC rules to order respondents to pay the advance and costs sought by ICC or to give the claimant any relief against the respondent's refusal to pay. The ICC rules differ for, from, for example, the rules of LCIA, which enables a party paying the share of costs with the other party to refuse to pay to recover that amount in debt immediately due from the defaulting party. The only sanction under the ICC rules is contained in Article 30, where a request for advance on costs has been complied with after consultation with the Tribunal and the Secretary-General may direct the Tribunal to suspend its work. After expiry of the time limit, all claims of all, all claims and counterclaims are then considered as withdrawn. This provision cannot assist a claimant who is anxious to litigate its claim. Such a claimant has to pay the sums requested you know, if it wishes the arbitration to proceed. It may be possible for a claimant in the course of the arbitral hearing or whenever costs are being considered by the tribunal to make a submission based on the failure of the respondents to pay their share of cost advance. What, what relief, if any, would have been then determined by the tribunal after having been heard submission of the respondents? I should be pleased that if the claimant will advise the tribunal of its intention in relation to cost advance, the costs are not paid. The arbitration cannot proceed. Uh, italics and its original. RBC, RCBC paid the additional $100,000 under the second assessment to avert suspension of the arbitration tribunal proceedings. Upon the commencement of the hearings, the arbitration tribunal decided that things will be initially confined to issues of liability, while the substantial issues will be he heard later date, no quantum phase. Meanwhile, IPCIB's corporate name was officially changed to Banco de Oro or BDO after its merger with BDO was duly approved by the Security Exchange Commission. As such, BDO assumed all the obligations and liabilities of the IPCIB under the SPA. September 27, 2007, the Arbitration Tribunal rendered a partial award in ICC case no? as follows. Award and directions. The Tribunal makes the following declarations by way of partial award. The claimant's claim is not time-barred under the provision of the SPA. The claimant is not stopped by its conduct of equitable doctrine of latches by pursuing its claim. As detailed in the partial award, the claimant established the following breaches of respondent's clause. 
the SPA, the asset, the revenue, net worth of the bank card were overstated by reason of this policy in recognition of the late payment fees. Reported receivables were higher than their realizable values by reason of bucketing method, thus overstating the bankers' assets. The relevant bankers' statements were inadequate, misleading that their disclosures caused readers to be misinformed about bankers' accounting policies in review of receivables. Subject to the proof of loss, the claimant is entitled to damages for foregoing breaches. The claimant is not entitled to the recession of the SPA. All other issues, including any issue relating to costs, will be dealt with further in the final award. After uh, after a further procedure, all order will be necessarily subsequent to the delivery of partial award to deal with the determination of the quantum of quantum and in particular whether uh, should be an expert appointed by the tribunal under Article 20 of the ICC rules to against the tribunal in this regard. The award is delivered by majority by the tribunal, Sir Ian Parker and Mr. Kaplan. Justice Kapunan is un- unable to agree with the majority's conclusion on the claim of estoppel brought by the respondents. On October 26, 2007, RCBC filed with the Makati City branch okay, a motion to confirm the first partial award while respondents filed a motion to vacate the same. Okay, ICCICA by la- later dated October 12, 2007, issued an advance cost of $450,000 and $580 under the third assessment. RCBC paid $130 as its share in the increment and respondents declined to pay. It's a judge, a judge total share of $290,000 in account of its filing in the RTC of a motion to vacate the first partial award. The ICCICA then invited RCBC to substitute for the respondents in paying the balance of $130,000 by December 21. RCBC complied with the request making its total payments to $580,000. While RBC paid respondents a share of the increment of $130,000, it reiterated its plea that respondents be declared as default and the counterclaims deemed as withdrawn. Chairman Barker, uh, Barker's letter dated December 18, 2005 states in the part, Contrary to the complainant's view, the tribunal has no jurisdiction to declare that respondents have no right to participate in the proceedings concerning the claim. Article 30 of the ICC rules applies only to any counterclaim the respondents. The tribunal interprets the claimant's latest letter uh, as an application by the claimant to the tribunal for for an issue of partial award against the respondents in respect to their failure to pay their share of the ICC's request. Request for advance on cost. Okay, so <clears throat> I should be grateful if the claimant would confirm that this is the situation. If so, the claimant should propose a timetable for which written submissions should be made in both parties. This is an application which can be considered by the tribunal on written submissions. So this is what this is what is contained by Chairman Baker, uh, because later dated December 18, 18, 2007. It states here. Contrary to the complainant's view, the tribunal has no jurisdiction to declare the respondents have no right to participate in proceedings concerning the claim. Article 30 of the ICC rules applies only to any counterclaim the respondents. The tribunal interprets the claimant's latest letter as an application by the claimant to the tribunal for the issue of partial award against the respondents in respect to their failure to pay their share of the ICC request for advance in cost. I should be grateful if the claimant would confirm that this is the situation. If so, the claimant should propose a timetable 
for which written submissions should be made in both parties. This is an application which can be considered by the tribunal on written submissions. So RBC, RCBC in a letter dated December 26, 2007 confirmed the arbitra arbitration tribunal's interpretation that it was applying for a partial award against respondents' failure to pay their share in, the, in advance on costs. Meanwhile, on January 8, 2008, Makati City or TC Branch 148 issued an order in SB Proc case number confirming the first partial award and denying respondents separate motions to vacate and to suspend in Hebit, Barker, and Kaplan. Respondents' motion for reconsideration was likewise denied. Respondents directly filed with this court a petition for review of certiorari under Rule 45, docketed as GR number 182248 and entitled Equitable PCA Banking Corporation versus RCBC Capital Corporation. In our decision dated December 18, 2008, we denied the petition and affirmed the RTC's ruling confirming the first partial award. On January 18, 2008, the Arbitration Tribunal set a timetable for filing of submission by the parties on whether it, sh it should issue a second partial award in respect to the respondent's refusal to pay in advance on costs to the ICCICAA. In compliance, RCBC filed in February 7, 2008, an application for reimbursement of advance on costs paid, praying for the issuance of partial award, directing the respondents to reimburse its payment in the amount of uh, $290,000, representing the respondent's share in the advance on costs, and consider respondents' counterclaim for actual damages in the amount of $300,000, and moral exemplary damages as withdrawn for their failure to pay their equal share and advance costs. RCBC invoked the plain terms of Article 30, 2, and 3 to stress the liability of respondents to share equally in paying uh, the advance of costs where the arbitration tribunal has fixed the same. Respondents, on the other hand, find their opposition to the said application alleging that the arbitration tribunal had lost its objectivity. objectivity or partiality in an unnecessary litigation over the payment of respondents' share in advance costs. They pointed out that RCBC's letter merely asked the respondents to be declared as in default for the failure to pay advance costs. But the arbitration tribunal, while denying the request, offered an alternative to RCBC. So, ang arbitration tribunal ni offer bagyot ogan ng alternatives to RBC, a partial award for respondents' share in the advance costs, even if it is clear from the language of the RCBC December 11, 2007, that it had no intention of litigating for advance costs. Chairman. Barker, after rule, ruling earlier that it cannot grant RCBC's request to declare the respondents as having no right to participate in the proceeding concerning the claim, interpreted RCBC's letter as an application for the arbitration tribunal to issue a partial award in respect to such refusal of the respondents to pay their share in advance costs, and subsequently directed parties to make submissions on the matter. Aside from violating their right to due process and to be heard by an impartial tribunal, respondents also argued that in issuing the award costs, the arbitration tribunal decided the issue beyond the terms of the terms of um, agreement or the terms of the TOR. Respondents also emphasized that the parties agreed on the two-part arbitration. The first part of the tribunal's proceedings should determine the respondent's liability, if any, for alleged violation of Section 5 of the SPA and the second part of the proceedings would determine the amounts owed by one party to another as a consequence of liability and lack thereof. An award of reimbursement of advances of costs clearly calls, falls outside the scope of either proceedings. Neither the, can the tribunal justify such proceedings under Article 23 of the ICC rules no, because that provision does not contemplate an award 
for the reimbursement of advance on cost arbitration cases. The respondents further asserted that since the advances in the cost had been paid by the claimant, the main claim and counterclaim may both be heard by the arbitration tribunal. In his letter dated March 13, 2008, Chairman Barker advised the parties as follows. Number one, the tribunal acknowledges the respondent's claim. Respondent's claimant's application for partial award based on the respondent's failure to pay, pay their share of costs as requested by the ICC. The tribunal notes that neither party was has referred to article by Matteo Secamp uh, on this very subject, which appears to be in the ICC bulletin, volume 14, number one, to assist both sides and to ensure the tribunal does not consider material which the parties have not been given opportunity to address. I touched a copy of this article, which also contains reference and other scholarly works in the subject of Nihatag Shagmurag mga references. Now, the tribunal will give each party seven days within which to submit further written comments as a consequence of being alerted to the above authorities. The parties complied by submitting their respective comments. Okay, RCBC refuted the allegations of partiality on the part of Chairman Barker and reiterated that uh, reiterated the prayer of its application for reimbursement of advance costs paid to ICCICIA. RCBC contended that based on Mr. Secom's article whether the contractual or provisional measures approach is applied, the arbitration tribunal is vested with jurisdiction authority to hear an award with respect to the said reimbursement or advance costs paid by the non-defaulting party. Respondents, on the other hand, maintain that RCBC's application for reimbursement of advance costs has no basis under the ICC rules. They contended that no manifest injustice can be inferred from any act of a party paying for the share of a defaulting party as this scenario is allowed by the ICC rules. Neither can a partial award for advance can be justified under the contractual approach since the matter of cost for arbitration is between the ICC and the parties and not the arbitration tribunal and the parties. An arbitration tribunal can issue decisions on cost and only for those costs not fixed by the ICC. Respondents reiterated their position that Article 30, Paragraph 3 envisions a situation whereby a party would refuse to pay its share in the advance of costs and merely a remedy therefore. Another party shall be free to pay the whole of the advance on cost. Such party reimbursement for payments of defaulting party share depend on the final arbitral award where the party liable for costs would be determined. This is the only remedy provided by the ICC rules. On May 28, the arbitration tribunal rendered the second partial award as follows. at the word no meanwhile june 16 the really issued the final award as follows uh, we will stop there okay so award the tribunal by majority uh, sir ian marker and mr coplan awards declares the judges as follows the respondents are to pay damages to the claimant for breach of sale and purchase agreement for bankard shares in the sum of 348,736 Sumubayad sila uh, so the claimant for the breach and a sale and purchase agreement of bankard shares in the sum of 348,000. Okay? So, kinsa man ilang no? For breach of sale and purchase agreement for bankard shares in the sum of 348,000. 
Okay, so kinsa may respondents in this case? The respondents in this case are uh, Banco de Oro Incorporated. No, yung ilang kontra dere is the uh, consolidated money. Okay, basta kasagaran sa respondents here. Ang first nga case ang respondent is Banco de Oro. The respondent sa ikaduha is RCBC and Court of Appeals wag apilan na ni. No. So that is the decision of the the second um, decision. The respondents are to pay to the claimant the sum of 180 US dollars, dollars in respect of the cost of the arbitration as fixed by the ICC court. And the respondent are to pay the claimant the sum of 582,936.56 for the fees and expenses of Mr. Best. So, Ms. Mr. Best. Eh? And the respondents are to pay the claimant their expenses for arbitration as pa- follows. Expert fees is 7 million. cents, <laughs> And the cost without prejudice is 220,571.00. Cost of arbitration hearings is 553,420 and cost of transcription service is 483,000. And the respondents are to pay the claimant the sum of 7 million. Okay, 7 million for party and party legal costs. The counterclaims of respondents are all dismissed. Okay, and uh, all claims of the claimant are dismissed other than those referred above. So Justice Kapunan does not agree with the majority of the members of the tribunal has issued a dissenting opinion. He has refused to sign the award. So si Kapunan uh, expressed a dissenting opinion. On July 1, 2010, BDO filed in Makati City RTC a petition to vacate a final award at Kautilam docketed as SP Proc case number M6995 which was raffled at Branch 65. So, in July 28, 2010, RCBC filed with the Makati City RTC branch a motion to confirm final award. So, BDO filed its opposition with motion to dismiss. So, in July 28, RCBC filed with Makati City a motion to confirm final award. So, uh, beneficial magud nila. So, RBC, RCBC uh, wanted it to be final. No? Confirm the final award. So, pabor magud nila. So, kanisad si BDO sad actually filed in Makati City a petition to vacate award ad cautelam no docketed at SP number unya si RTC uh, 148 sad uh, filed siya to confirm the award BDO filed this opposition with with motion to dismiss on the grounds that a petition to vacate final award ad cautelam had already been filed in SP Proc a case number M6995 also also pointed out that RCBC did not file the required petition but instead filed a mere motion which did not go through the process of raffling to a proper branch of RTC Makati City and the payment of the required docket fees even assuming that branch 148 has jurisdiction over RCBC's motion to confirm final award BDO asserted that RCBC had filed before the arbitration tribunal in application for correction and interpretation award in under Article 29 of the ICC rules, which is irre- irreconcilable with its motion to confirm final award before said court. Hence, the motion to confirm award was filed precipit- uh, precipitately. On August 8, 2010, RCBC filed an omnibus motion in SP Proc case numbers M6995, Branch 65, praying for the dismissal of BDO's petition to vacate final award or the transfer the same to branch 148 
for consolidation with SP Proc case number M6046. RCBC contended that BDO's filing of its petition with another co court is a blatant violation of the spe special ADR rules and is merely a subterfuge to commit uh, forum shopping. Okay, BDO filed its opposition to the omnibus motion. On October 28, Branch 65 issued a resolution denying RCBC's omnibus motion and directing the service of the petition. So, atong klaro na si BDO wanted it to be koan. Uh, wanted to revocate uh, the award. No? Palungkati City motion to confirm. Yes, ang si RCBC naman, he wants it to confirm the award. Okay, so BDO may wanted to vacate the award. Okay, RCBC's motion for reconsideration was likewise denied in the said courts, then filed its opposition to the petition to vacate final award at Kautilang. Meanwhile, on November 10, 2010, Branch 148 issued an order confirming the final award subject to correction and interpretation thereof in the arbitral tribunal pursuant to the ICC rules and the unicentral model law and denying BDO's opposition to dismiss so ni issue na ang court nga uh, dili na siya dapat no uh, dapat uh, RC, uh, BDO's opposition dili na siya mabakit on December 30, 2010 George L. Go in his personal capacity and as attorney in fact of the other listed branch shareholders of Bankard in the SPA filed a petition in CA number 117451 seeking to set aside the above cited November 10 order and to enjoin Branch 148 from further proceeding to SP Proc case number by decision dated June 15, 2011, the, the CA dismissed the said petition. Their motion for reconsideration, the said decision was likewise denied by the CA and its resolution dated December 14, 2011. On December 23, 2010, the CA rendered its decision in CAGR number SP and dispositive portion of which states, Wherefore, premises considered the following are hereby revised and set aside. Reverse and set aside. Order dated June 24, 2009, uh, issued in SP Proc case number M6046 by the Regional Trial Court of Makati, Branch 148. And so far, it denied motion to vacate second partial award dated July 8, 2008, and granted the motion to confirm the second partial award dated July 10, 2008. The joint order March 23, 2010 by the Regional Trial Court of Makati Branch 148. So far, it's denied motion for consideration dated July 28, 2009 relative to the motions concerning the second partial award immediately mentioned above. The second partial award dated May 28, 2008 issued in International Chamber of Commerce Court of Arbitration Reference Number. So, ordered. Okay. So, kana sila tananday reverse and set aside. No? order sa regional trial court and so far is denied the motion to vacate so so may pasabot ani uh, vacate na dated July 8, 2008 and granted the motion to confirm second partial award dated July 10, 2008 the joint order dated March 23, 2010 the regional trial court of Makati branch 14 and so far as it denied the motion for consideration relative to the motions concerning the second partial award immediately mentioned above and the second partial award dated Mar May 28, 2008. So ordered. So RCBC filed a motion for reconsideration, but the CA denied the motion and resolution dated March 16, 2011. On April 6, 2011, it filed a petition for review and certiorari in this court. Okay, so si RCBC 
Iginahalag igid siya itong award Filed a motion for reconsideration So Okay So ang CA Actually favored Iyang gi-favor si Kuan Si BTO And si RBC Motion for recon March 16, 2011 Okay And then File a petition for review Monsieur Sorari In February 25, 2011 Rendered decision As follows Wherefore premises considered The final award June 16, 2010 Is hereby vacated With cause against the respondent So uh, He wanted it to be vacated No So Kaning uh, uh, BDO Nasad ang favor sa CA So ordered No Branch uh, SP Pro case number M6046 Branch 148 Issue an order dated August 8 Resolving the motions no? Motion for reconsideration filed by BDO Go individual shareholders November 10, 2010 Confirming the final award Order confirming the Then RCBC's motion to expunge the motion for reconsideration filed by Go individual shareholders Okay Said order decreed Wherefore premises considered is by order to wit Banco de Oro's Motion for reconsideration Motion to leave Supplement for motion The motion to inhibit Are hereby Are denied for lack of merit RCBC's capital motion to expunge uh, Execute uh, Mr. George L. Go And the banker shareholders And motion to execute against Banco de Oro Are hereby granted Okay, balik na sad The damages awarded to RCBC In the amount of 3 Is subject to an interest of 6% per annum RCBC so RBC na sad likewise this compounded amount is subject to 12% interest okay so immediately after RCBC filed an urgent motion to issue once a rate of execution on August uh, 22, 2011 after approving the execution uh, ban branch 148 issued a rate of execution of the implementation of the said courts Order dated August 8. So, gipa-confirm na gito ang kuan sa RCBC. Order that judicially confirmed the June 16, 2010 final award. BDO then filed in CA a petition for review na SAD with application for stay or temporary restraining order and written preliminary injection docketed CA number 12088. BDO sought to reserve and set aside orders dated November 10, 2010 and August 8, 2011 and any rate of execution issued pursuant thereto as well as the final award June 16, 2010 issued by the Arbitration Tribunal Kadugay ba ni Mahuman? It is in its urgent omnibus motion to resolve the application to stay the TRO rate preliminary injection to quash the rate of execution dated and lift notices of garnishment dated August 22, 2011 BD argued that the assailed orders of execution rate of execution were issued with indecent haste and despite the non-compliance of the procedures in special special ADA rules November 10, 2010. Order confirming the final award. BDO was not given sufficient time to respond to the demand for payment and to lack the method of satisfaction or the judgment debt. In any case, with the posting of the bond, BDO Branch 140 has no jurisdiction to implement the appealed orders as it would preempt the CA from exercising its review under Rule 19 of the Special ADA rules after BDO had perfected its appeal. So BDO stressed that the bond posted by RCBC was to was for a measly sum of 3 million to cause execution pending appeal of the monetary award that would reach 631 million. RCBC also failed to adduce evidence of good cause or good reason to justify discretionary um, execution under Section 239 Rules of Court. 
Okay, and BDO further contended that the writ of execution should be quashed for having been issued with great abuse of discretion, mounting to lack or excessive jurisdiction as Branch 148 modified the final award at the time of execution by imposing the payment of interest, though none was approved therein, not in order confirming the same. During the pendency of CIGR number SP12088, Branch 148 continued with the execution proceedings and a motion by RCBC designated deputy deputized additional sheriffs to replace Sheriff Flora, which was supposedly physically in, indisposed. This court personnel went to office branches of BDO attempting to serve notices of garnishment and levy the furniture, fixes, and equipment. On September 12, 2011, BDO filed an urgent motion to left levy for a leave to post counter bond before branch 148 praying for lifting of the levy of bdo private bank incorporated shares and the cancellation of the execution sale thereof scheduled september 15 2011 which was set for hearing on september 14 2011. bdo claimed that the levy was invalid because it was served by the rtc sheriffs not by the authorized representatives of bpi as provided by section uh, 7 Rule 57 Rules of Court stating that the notice of levy on shares of stock must be served to the president managing agent of the company which issued the shares. However, BDO was advised by court staff that Judge Areva was on leave and the case could not be set for hearing. Okay, In its, in its opposition, BDA application for injunctive relief, RCBC prayed for outright denial of BDO's petition. Okay, see, RCBC has had prayed for outright denial of BDO's petition, raised questions of fact of law which call for CA to substitute its judgment with the arbitration tribunal in patent violation of applicable rules, procedure and governing domestic ad- domestic arbitration beyond the appellate court's jurisdiction. RCBC asserted that BDO's application has become moot and academic as the writ of execution was already implemented or enforced. It also contended that BDO has no clear and mistakable right to warrant injunctive relief because the, sh- the issue of jurisdiction was already ruled which dismissed the petition by Go and individual shareholders of Bankard questioning the authority of Branch 148 to vacate uh, the said award. In September 13, 2011, BDO to avert the sale of BP, uh, BPBI shares scheduled in September 5, 2011 to prevent further disruption in the operations of BDO and BPI paid under protest by tendering manager's check in the amount of $637 million which was accepted by RCBC as full and complete satisfaction of the writ of execution. BDO ma- manifested before Branch 148 the such payment was made without prejudice to appeal before the CA. Or even the date CEO denied application uh, pre- preliminary injunction for non-compliance under with Rule 19.25 the Special ADR Rules. The CA ruled that BDO failed to show existence of a clear right to be protected and the Rights Act to be enjoined violated. Neither was BDO able to demonstrate that the injury to be suffered for is irreparable and unsustainable to mathematical computation. BDO did not file motion for reconsideration and directly filed with this court a petition for certiorari with urgent application of writ of preliminary mandatory injunction. So, so my petitions and a GR number are set forth the following grounds reversal of CA division decision dated December 23, 2010 that the Court of Appeals acted contrary to law and prior rulings of the Honorable Court and committed reversible error in vacating the second partial award in the basis of Chairman Barker's alleged partiality which it claims is indicative of bias considering that the allegations contained in BDO EPCI petition falls short of the jurisprudential requirement that the same is supported by clear and convincing evidence. The Court of Appeals acted contrary to law and prior rulings of this honorable court and committed reversible error 
when it reversed the arbitral tribunal's findings of fact and in law, second partial award in patent contravention of the special ADR rules, which expressly prohibits the courts in application to vacate an arbitral award from disturbing the findings of fact or interpretation of law of the arbitral tribunal. Video raised the following arguments in GR number uh, 199238. The Court of Appeals committed grave abuse of discretion amounting to lack or excessive jurisdiction in perfunctorily denying petitioner's video application for stay order and temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction despite the existence of concurrence of all the elements for the issuance of said provisional reliefs. Petitioner video has clear and unmistakable, unmistakable rights to be protected by the issuance of injunctive relief. Pray for However, were disregarded by the public respondent when it denied petitioner's video's prayer for issuance of stay of order or TRO. The petitioner video's right due process and equal protection of law was grossly violated by the RTC Makati City Branch, the deputized sheriffs and the respondent RCBC Capital, which violation was aided by public respondents in action by eventual denial and prayer to stay order and TRO. Due to the acts, RTC branch of petitioner video suffered irreparable damage and there, there are dire and urgent necessity for the issuance of injunctive relief. Prayed for with the public respondent denied the grave abuse of discretion. Denied in grave abuse of discretion. Essentially, the issues to be resolved are Duharagin, whether there is a legal ground to vacate the second partial award and whether BDO is entitled to injunction, injunctive relief in connection with the execution proceedings in SP Pro case number 842. So in, in their TOR, terms of um, agreement or terms of reference, the parties agree in the governing law and as follows. Okay, so for the rules that should be applied, no, we look uh, we look at um, laws to be applied 13. The tribunal shall determine the issues to be resolved in accordance with the laws of the Republic of the Philippines. The procedure to be applied, proceedings before the tribunal shall be governed by ICC rules of arbitration, January 1, 1998, and the law currently applicable to the arbitration in the Republic of the Philippines is stated in the partial award dated September 27, 2007, although the parties provided in Section 10 of the SPA that the arbitration shall be conducted under the ICC rules. It was nevertheless arbitration under the Philippine law. Since the parties are both residents of the country, the provisions of RA 876 as amended by Republic Act 9285 principally applied in the arbitration here between and herein the parties the pertinent provisions of RA 9285 provide. Section 40 Confirmation of Award The confirmation of domestic arbitral award shall be governed by Section 23 of RA 876. The domestic arbitral award when confirmed shall be enforced in the same manner as final and executory decisions of the Regional Trial Court. The confirmation of the domestic award shall be made by the Regional Trial Court in accordance with the rules of procedure to be promulgated by the Supreme Court. And then, vacation of award. A party to a domestic arbitration may question the arbitral award with the appropriate Regional Trial Court in accordance with the rules of procedure to be promulgated by the Supreme Court only on those grounds enumerated in Section 25 of Republic Act 876. Any other ground raised against domestic arbitral award shall be disregarded by the Regional Trial Court. Rule 11.4 of the Special ADR Rule sets forth the grounds for vacating the arbitral award. Rules 11.4 grounds to vacate an arbitral award. The arbitral award may be vacated on the following grounds. The arbitral award was procured through corruption, fraud, or other undue means. There was evident partiality or corruption in the arbitral tribunal or any of its members. 
the arbitral tribunal was guilty of misconduct or any form of misbehavior that has partially prejudiced the rights of any party such as refusing to postpone a hearing upon the sufficient cause shown or to hear evidence of pertinent and material to the controversy. One or more of the arbitrators was disqualified to act as such under the law and willfully refrained from disclosing such disqualification. Or the arbitral tribunal exceeded its powers or so imperfectly executed them such that a complete and final and definite award under the subject matter submitted to them was not made. The award must also be vacated in any of all the following grounds. The arbitration agreement did not exist or is invalid for any ground for the revocation of a contract or is otherwise unenforceable or a party to the arbitration is a minor or a person judicially declared to be incompetent. In deciding the petition to vacate the arbitral award, the court shall disregard any of the ground for those enumerated below. Judicial Review At the outset, it must be stated that the review brought to this court under special ADR rules is not a matter of right. Rule 19.36 You said rules specify the conditions for the exercise of the court's discretionary review of CA's decision. Um, under Rule 1936 Review Discretionary, the review of the Supreme Court is not a matter of right but the sound of judicial discretion which will be granted only by for serious and compelling re- reasons resulting in grave prejudice to the aggrieved party. The following while neither controlling nor fully measuring the court's discretion indicate the serious and compelling necessity necessarily restrictive nature of the grounds that will warrant the exercise of the Supreme Court's discretionary power. Okay, so here we see that, uh, for instance, uh, failed to apply the applicable standard for test for judicial review on this special ADR rules, arriving in a decision resulting in substantial prejudice to the aggrieved party, erred in upholding a final order decision despite the lack of jurisdiction of the court that rendered such final order decision, failed to apply any provision, principle, policy contained in special ADR rules, committed an error so egregious. Uh, to a party to amount to undeniable excess of jurisdiction. The mere fact that the petitioner disagrees with the CA determination of questions of fact or law, both questions of fact shall not warrant the exercise of Supreme Court's discretionary power. The error imputed to the Court of Appeals must be grounded upon any of the above prescribed grounds for review be closely analogous thereto. A mere general allegation of the CA has committed serious and a substantial error that has acted with grave abuse of discretion resulting in substantial prejudice to the petitioner without indicating with specificity the nature of such error or abuse of discretion and serious prejudice suffered by the petitioner and account thereof shall constitute sufficient ground in the Supreme Court to dismiss outright the petition. The applicable standard for judicial review in arbitral awards for jurisdiction is set forth in Rule 1910 which states the rule in judicial review and arbitration in the Philippines is general. The court can only vacate and set aside decision in the arbitral tribunal upon a clear showing that the award suffers from any of the affirmatives of grounds vacating arbitral award, Section 24 of R876 or under the rule of the model law, in domestic arbitration or setting aside an award. The court shall not set aside or vacate the award of arbitral tribunal okay, merely on the ground that the arbitral tribunal committed errors of fact or of fact of law as the court cannot substitute its judgment for that of arbitral tribunal. The rule above embodied a stricter standard in deciding appeals for arbitral awards established by the jurisprudence. In the case of asset privatization, Court of Appeals, this court held that as a rule, the award of arbitrator cannot be set aside for mere errors of judgment either as the law or as to the facts. Courts are without power to amend or overrule merely 
because of disagreement with matters of law or facts determined by the arbitrators, they will not review the findings of law and fact contained in the award and will not undertake to substitute their judgment since any other rule would make an award commence not the end of litigation. Errors of law and fact, an erroneous decision of matters submitted to the judgment or are sufficient to invalidate the award fairly and honestly made. Judicial review of the arbitration is thus more limited than judicial review of trial. Accordingly, we examine the merits of the petition as solely on the statutory ground base vacating the special award evident partiality pursuant to Section 24 of Arbitration Law, Law Rule 11.4 of the Special ADR Rules. Okay, so let's talk about evident partiality. Evident partiality is not defined in our arbitration laws as one of the grounds for vacating an arbitral award under the Federal Arbitration Act in the United States. The U.S. The term encompasses both an arbitrator's explicit bias towards one party and an arbitrator's inferred bias when an arbitrator fails to disclose relevant information to the parties. From a recent decision of the Court of Appeals of Oregon, we quote a brief discussion of the common meaning of the evident partiality. To determine the meaning of evident partiality, we begin with the terms themselves. The common meaning of partiality is the inclination to favor one's end. Webster's Third New International Dictionary, 1646. Um, yes. So, inclination. It turns means a particular disposition of mind or character, propensity, bent, or tendency towards a particular state. Right? So, the common meaning of evident is capable of being perceived by sight, distinctly visible, being evidence, clearly to understanding, obvious manifest. No? So, claro siya. Evident rather than naturally suggests evidence. It may imply that the existence of signs of indications that must lead to an identification of inference. Evident partiality in its common definition thus implies the existence of signs and indications that must lead to an identification or interference of partiality. Despite the increasing adoption of arbitration in many jurisdictions, there seems to be no established standard of determining the existence of evident partiality. In the U.S., Evident partiality continues to be the subject of somewhat conflicting and inconsistent judicial interpretation when an arbitrator's failure to disclose prior dealings is at issue. The first case to delineate the standard of evident partiality in arbitration proceedings was the Commonwealth Coatings Corporation versus Continental Casualty. Decided by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1968, the court therein addressed the issue whether the requirement of impartiality applies to, the, to an arbitration proceeding the plurality opinion written by Justice Black laid down the rule that arbitrators must disclose to the parties any dealings that might create an impression of possible bias and that the underlying such standard is a premise that any tribunal permitted by law to try cases and controversies not only must be unbiased but also must avoid even the appearance of bias. In a separate concurring opinion, Justice White, joined by Justice Marshall, remarked that the court does not decide today that arbitrators are to be held to the standards of judicial decorum of Article 3 judges or indeed any judges, he, opi who op he opined that the arbitrator should not automatically be disqualified from arbitration proceeding because of a business relationship where both parties are aware of the relationship in advance or where the parties are unaware of the circumstances but the relationship is trivial. However, in the event that the arbitrator has substantial interest in the transaction at hand, such information must be disclosed. Subsequent cases in U.S. Court of Appeals Circuit Courts adopted different approaches given the imprecise standard of evident partiality in Commonwealth coatings. In 
more like Construction Corp versus New York Carpenters Benefit Funds, the Second Circuit reversed the judgment of district court and remanded with instructions to vacate the arbitrator's award, holding that the existence of father-son relationship between the arbitrator and the present appealing union provided strong evidence of partiality was unfair to appellant construction contractor after examining prior decisions in the circuit. The court concluded that we cannot countenance the promulgation of standard for partiality as unsurmountable as proof of actual bias, as the literal words of Section 10 might suggest. Bias is always difficult and indeed often impossible to prove unless an arbitrator publicly announces his partiality or is overheard in a moment of private admission. It is difficult to imagine how proof could be obtained. Such a standard we fear occasionally would require that we enforce awards in situations that are clearly repugnant to our sense of fairness yet do not yield proof of anything. If the standard of appearance of bias is too low for the invocation of Section 10 and proof of actual bias too high with what we are left profoundly aware of the competent uh, forces that had already been discussed, we hold that the evident partiality within the meaning of USC 10 will be bound where a reasonable person would have to conclude that an arbitrator was partial to one party to the arbitration. In a person versus a fleet carrier corporation, the Sixth Circuit agreed with the Moralite Court's analysis and accordingly held that to invalidate an arbitration award in the grounds of bias, the challenging party must show that a reasonable person would have to conclude that an arbitrator was partial to the other party to the arbitration. This myriad of judicial interpretations and approaches to evident partiality resulted in lack of uniform standard, leaving the courts to examine evident partiality on a case-to-case basis. The case at bar does not present a non-disclosure issue but conduct allegedly showing arbitrators' partiality to one of the parties. The BDO, in moving to vacate the second partial award, claimed that the arbitration tribunal exceeded its powers in deciding the issue of advanced costs not contemplated by the terms of agreement terms of reference and that the chairman Barker acted with evident partiality in making such an award. The RTC held that the BDO uh, failed to substantiate these allegations. On appeal, the CA CA likewise found that the arbitration tribunal did not go beyond the submission of the parties because phrasing the scope of the agreed issues of the terms of reference, the issues to be determined by the tribunal are those arising from the said request for arbitration. Answer and reply, such as other issues may be properly raised arise during the arbitration is broad enough to accommodate finding the liability of the repercussions of BDO's failure to share in advances on cost. Section 10 of the SPA or the Share uh, Partnership Agreement also gave the arbitration tribunal authority to decide how the costs should be apportioned between them. However, they found a factual support the BDO's charge of partiality. Thus, on the issue of evident partiality, the rationale of the American case of Commonwealth Coatings Corp. appears to be very prudent. In Commonwealth, the United States Supreme Court reasoned that courts should be even more scrupulous to safeguard the impartiality of arbitrators than judges since the former had completely f- a free, free reign to decide the law as well as the facts are not subject to appellate review. In general, this taken into account, the court applies the standard demanded in the conduct of magistrates by analogy. After all, the ICC rule required that the arbitral tribunal should be fairly and impartially. Hence, an arbitrator's conduct should be beyond reproach and suspicion. His act should be free from appearance of impropriety. An examination of the circumstances claimed to be illustrative of Chairman Barker's partiality is indicative of bias. 
Now, so if you look at the circumstances claimed to be illustrative of Chairman Barker's partiality is, according to the court, is indicative of bias. Although RCBC had repeatedly asked for reimbursement with the withdrawal of BDO's counterclaim prior to Chairman Barker's December 18, 2007 letter, it is baffling why it is only it is it is only in the said letter that R RCBC's prayer was given a complexion of being an application for a partial award. But to the court, the said letter signaled a preconceived course of action that the relief prayed for RCBC will be granted. That there was an action to be taken beforehand in confirmed with the chairman Burkes furnishing the parties with a copy of the sec second article. Uh, second article. This article ultimately favored RCBC by advancing its cause. German Barker makes it appear that he intended good to be done in doing so, but due process dictates that cold neutrality or impartiality. This means it is not enough that cases without bias and favoritism, nor it is sufficient that prepossessions actuation should be moreover inspired that relief. These put into equation the furnishing of the second article. No? So if you look at this word here, Secomb. Okay, Secomb article. Okay, let's search it via Google. Okay, so Secomb. Let's just type it there. There's no definition of Sikom. I don't know. Furnishing the Sikom article further marred the trust repose in the chairman Barker. The suspicion of his partiality on the subject matter deepened. Specifically, his act established that he had brief per, uh, preformed opinions. So, Chairman Barker's provision providing of copies of the said text is easily interpretable that he had prejudged the matter before him. In any case, the SICOM article tackled basis which the second partial award was founded. The subject article reflected in advance the disposition of the ICC Arbitral Tribunal. The award was definitely be, uh, be viewed as an affirmation that the cases of SICOM article was adopted earlier on. To the court, actuations of arbitrators like the language of judges must be guarded and measured lest the best of intentions be misconstrued. We affirm the foregoing findings and conclusion of the appellate court, save for its reference to the obiter or commonwealth coatings that arbitrators are held to the same standard of conduct imposing judges. Instead, the court adopt the reasonable impression of partiality standard, which requires a showing that reasonable person would have to conclude that an arbiter arbitrator was partial to the other party of arbitration. Such interest or bias, moreover, must be direct, definite, and capable of demonstration rather than remote, uncertain, or speculative. When the claim of the arbitrator's evident partiality is made, the court must ascertain for, from such record as is available whether the arbitrator's conduct was so biased and prejudiced to destroy the fundamental fairness. Applying the foregoing standard, we agree with the CA in finding the Chairman Barker's Act of furnishing the, uh, the parties with copies of Matthew's second article, second article, Considering the attendant circumstances is indicative of partiality such that a reasonable man would have to conclude that he was favoring the claimant. Even before the issuance of the second, a second a partial award for the reimbursement of advance costs set by RCBC. Chairman Barker exhibited strong inclination to grant such relief to RCBC. Despite his categorical ru ruling that the arbitration tribunal has no power under the ICC rules, 
to order the respondent to pay the advance cost sought by ICC or to give the claimant relief. Relief against respondent's refusal to pay. The chairman Barker was predisposed to grant relief uh, to RCBC as shown his act of interpreting RCBC's letter, which merely reiterated its plea to declare respondents in default and consider all counterclaims withdrawn. As to the ICC rule, provide as an application to the arbitration tribunal to issue a partial award in respect to BDO's failure to share in advance costs. It must be noted that RCBC in said letter did not contemplate the issuance of partial order despite Chairman Barker's previous letter, which mentioned the possibility of granting relief upon the parties making submissions to the arbitration tribunal. Expectedly, in compliance with the Chairman Barker's December 18, 2007 letter, RCBC formally applied for the issuance of partial award ordering BDO to pay its share in advance costs. So, SECOM's article, Awards and Orders Dealing with Advance Costs in the ICC Arbitration, the Theoretical Questions and Practical Problems, specifically dealt with a situation when one of the parties to the International Commercial Arbitration refuses to pay its share on the advance on costs. After a brief discussion of the provisions of the ICC rules, Dealing with advance and costs, which do not provide for issuance of partial award to compel payment by the defaulting party, the author stated. As we can see here, okay, as we can see, the rules have certain mechanisms to deal with defaulting parties. Occasionally, however, parties have sought to use other methods to tackle the problem of a party refusing to pay its part in advance and cost. These have included seeking an order or award of arbitral tribunal condemning the defaulting party to pay its share of advance and cost. Such applications are subject of this article. Okay, so mo content sa katunga article. So, uh, by furnishing the parties with a copy of this article, Chairman Berker practically armed RCBC with supporting legal arguments under the contractual approach discussed by the SECOM. Now, true enough, RCBC in its application for reimbursement for advance costs paid utilized said approach as it singularly focused on Article 30 now of the ICC. Uh, here, rules and fiercely argued that BDO was contractually bound to share in advance costs fixed by the ICC. But whether under the contractual approach or provisional approach, uh, an application must be treated as an interim measure of protection under Article 23, Paragraph 1, rather than enforcement of a contractual obligation both treated in the second article. RCBC succeeded in availing of a remedy which was not expressly allowed by the rules, but in practice has been resorted to by the parties in international commercial arbitration proceedings. It may also be mentioned that the author, Matteo Secom, is a member of the ICC Secretariat and the Council in charge of the files, as in fact he signed some early communications in behalf of the ICC Secretariat pertaining to the advance costs fixed by the ICC. This bolstered the impression that the Chairman Barker was predisposed to grant relief to RCBC by issuing a partial award. Indeed, fairness dictates that Chairman Barker refrained refrain from suggesting to or directing RCBC towards a course of action to advance the latter's cause by providing it with legal arguments contained in an article written by a lawyer who serves the ICC Secretariat and was involved or had participation in so far as the actions or recommendations of the ICC in the case. Though not purportedly to assist both parties, Chairman Barker's act clearly violated Article 15 of the ICC rules, declaring that in all cases, the arbitral tribunal shall, shall act fairly 
and impartially and ensure that each party has a reasonable opportunity to present its case. Having prejudged the matter in dispute, Chairman Barker had lost his objectivity in the issuance of a second partial award. So, wala naging siya objectivity tungkol sa ingibuhat. So, in fine, we hold that the CA did not err in holding that the article and ultimately favored RCBC as it reflected in advance the disposition of the arbitral tribunal as well as signaled a preconceived course of action that the relief prayed by the RCBC will be granted. This conclusion is further confirmed by the arbitral tribunal's pronouncements in its second partial award which not only adapted the contractual approach but even cited SECOM's article so, the follow it is as a tip no, with other reference thus. It appears that the tribunal that issued post this application is essentially a contractual one. So, Matthew Secom considered these points in the Article 14 which was sent to the parties. No? Uh, at Paragraph 19, the author quote, quoted the ICC tribunal case as follows. The, arti- ar- the arbitral tribunal concludes that the partisan ar- arbitrations conducted under the ICC rules have mutually binding obligation to pay the advance on costs as determined by the ICC court based on Article 30 ICC rules which by reference reference forms part of the parties' agreement to arbitration under such rules. The court, however, must clarify that the merits of the parties' arguments as to the propriety of the issuance of the second partial award was not an issue here. Courts are generally without power to amend or overrule merely because of disagreement with the matters of law or facts determined by the arbitrators. They will not review the findings of the law and fact contained in an award and will not undertake to substitute their judgment for that of the arbitrators. A contrary rule would make an arbitration award the commencement, not the end of litigation. It is the finding of evident partiality which constitutes legal, legal ground for vacating the second partial award and not the arbitration tribunal's application of the ICC rules adapting the contractual approach tackled in the SECOM's article. Alternative dispute resolution methods or ADR like arbitration, mediation, negotiation, negotiation are encouraged by the court. By enabling parties to resolve their parties amicably, they provide solutions that are less time-consuming, less less tedious, less confrontational, and more productive of goodwill and lasting relationship. Institutionalization of ADR was envisioned in an important means to achieve speedy and impartial justice and declug the court dockets. The most important feature of arbitration indeed, the key to its success is the public's confidence and trust in the integrity of the process. For this reason, the law authorizes vacating an arbitral award when there is evident partiality in the arbitrator. So, wanagito, because that is considered partiality. No? Before an injunctive writ was issued, it is essential that the following requisites are present. So, what are, so question here is, what are the essential uh, requisites for an injunctive relief? Injunctive writ. Okay? Okay, but let's qualify this against execution of arbitral award okay so the number one here the number one factor is that there must be a right ns or the existence of a right to be protected and number two the act against which injunction to be directed 
is a violation of such a right. Okay? So there must be a right in S or the existence of a right to be protected and the act against which the injunction is directed is in violation. The onus probande is on the movement to show that there exists a right to be protected. So it's the movement who will do that, which is directed threatened by the act sought to be enjoined. Further, there must be showing that the invasion of the right to material substantial, there is an urgent and paramount necessity for the right to prevent serious damage. So you have to include that. Rule 1922 of the Special ADR Rule states that effect of appeal. The appeal shall not stay the award. So, kung naay ka ng appeal, it shall not stay the award. Judgment, final order, resolution sought to be reviewed unless the Court of Appeals directs otherwise upon such terms that it may deem just. So, we find no reversible error or grave abuse of discretion in the CA's denial of the application for the stay order or the TRO upon its bind- finding. Did the BDO fail to establish the existence of clear legal right to enjoin the execution of the final award confirmed by the Makati City RTC Branch 148? A pending resolution of its appeal, it would be premature to address on the merits of the issues raised by the BDO in the present petition. Branch 148 pending the resolution of its appeal, it would be premature to address the merits and the issues raised by BDO in the present petition considering that CA still have to decide on the validity of the said merits orders confirming the final award. But more important since BDO had already paid 637 million in the manager's check a bit under protest and which payment was accepted by RCBC as full and complete satisfaction of the rate of execution there is no more act to be enjoyed. Settled is the rule that injunctive reliefs are preservative remedies for the protection of substantive rights and interests. Injunction is not a cause of action in itself but merely a provisional remedy, an adjunct to main suit when the act sought to be enjoyed has become fight accompli. The prayer for provisional remedy should be denied. Thus, the court ruled in government law Yoko that even the events sought to be prevented by injunction or prohibition have already happened. Nothing more could be enjoined or prohibited. Indeed, it is indeed it is universal principle of law that an injunction will not issue to restrain the performance of an act already done. This is so for the simple reason that nothing can be done in reference thereto. A writ of injunction becomes smooth and academic after the act ought to be enjoined and already being consummated. So here we see uh, the importance of injunction against execution of arbitral award. Uh, the two elements should be taken into consideration. There must be a right and nest or the existence of right to be protected. And second, the act against which an injunction to be directed is a violation of such right. Okay, so again, the onus rubandi or the... Uh, the burden of proof should be given to is on the movement, no? So the movement here is the one who filed the motion. No? So that's the movement to show that there exists the right to be protected, which is directly threatened by the act sought to be enjoined. Further, there must be showing that the invasion of the right is material and substantial. No? That there is an urgent paramount necessity for the right to prevent a serious damage. Okay, so there is a here we see that there is a discussion of 
the rules, the effect of the appeal. The appeal shall not stay the award. So, padayon nagihapon ng award. Judgment, final order, resolution sought to be reviewed unless the Court of Appeals directs otherwise upon such term as it may deem just. So, we find no reversible error or grave abuse of discretion in the CS denial of the application for stay order or TRO. Okay, ratong gibuhat sa Court of Appeals upon its finding that the BDO failed to establish the existence of clear legal right. Uh, BDO here failed to establish a clear legal right to enjoy the execution of the final award confirmed by the Makati City RTC Branch 148. Pending resolution of its appeal, it would be premature to address on the merits of the issues raised by the BDO in the present petition considering that CA still has to decide on the validity of the said court's order confirming the final award. But more important since BDO had already paid, nakabayad na siya ng 637 million manager's check albeit under protest which payment was accepted by RCBC as full and complete satisfaction of the rate of execution. There is no more act to be enjoined. So settle is the rule that injunctive reliefs are preservative remedies. Para injunctive relief, para mo na mag-preserve. Niyo man na magbayad for the protection of substantive rights and interests. Injunction is not a cause of action in itself but merely a provisional remedy and adjunct to the main suit. When the act sought to be enjoined has become fight a complaint. Sa manang fight a complaint. Okay. Sige, let's search for this Latin word. Then let's also look for uh, the how it is pronounced. But uh, let's look at how it is defined. A thing accomplished by presumably irreversible. Uh, be charged that the members are presented with fight a complaint instead of being called to a meeting to discuss the policy change. Okay. Uh, fight a complaint. A thing accomplished and presumably irreversible. He charged the members with presented with fight a complaint instead of being called to a meeting to discuss the policy change. So, a thing accomplished and presumably irreversible. Okay. Instead of being called to a meeting to discuss the policy. So this is the meaning. What is the meaning of? What is the meaning of fight a complaint? Okay. So here we see that uh, when the act sought to be enjoyed has become fight accomplished, the prayer for provisional remedy should be denied. Thus, the court ruled in Governor Luyoko that when the event sought to be prevented by injunction or prohibition have already happened, nothing more could be enjoined or prohibited. Instead, indeed, it is a universal principle of law that injunction will not issue to restrain uh, to restrain the performance of an act already done. This is so for the simple reason that nothing more can be done in reference thereto. The rate of injunction becomes smooth and academic after the act sought to be enjoined has already been consummated. Alright? So that's the case. Again, this is the case of RCBC versus BDO. GR number 196171 decided December 10, 2012.